Welcome to the Hellraiser Podcast. Hello there, welcome to episode 51 of the Hellraiser Podcast. I'm Peter and with me again is Phil. Hello everyone. Hello everyone, we are back. So today we're going to be talking about a film called Quicksilver Highway. Ooh. Which you may have never heard of before. Maybe. And you may never hear of it again either. Oh. <laughs> we're talking about it because there is a Clive Barker connection to it. It was a TV movie originally, written and directed by Mick Garris. We'll talk about him a bit more later on. And it's made up of two stories. And one's by Stephen King and one's by Clive Barker. Mm. So it's based on the short stories Chattery Teeth by Stephen King and The Body Politic by Clive Barker. It sounds really good. Yeah, there aren't many movies with Clive Barker adaptations really mm. within them. And this is one of them. We're going to get through all of them. We've done The Midnight Meat Train already and Candyman. Yeah. And we'll get through all of them. There aren't that many more to go. But this is one you may not have heard of, so we thought we'd enlighten you. And we watched it so you don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) Much like Rawhead Rex. Yeah, which has been released (laughs) in 4K now, hasn't it? What a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we need to get oh, we need to that. watch that. I haven't got a 4K TV yet, though, so... I've got one. Have Let's you? Let's watch it. Let's watch it. Have you got a 4K player? Yeah. Oh No. 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 Oh, shit. Anyway. Never mind. <laughs> That's what I'll get you for your next birthday. Thanks. So this film was made for TV, as I said, back in the year 1997. It's been released since on DVD, well, video, and then DVD. I'm not sure you can get it in the UK. I think I got the Dutch import, so you can get it in Holland. Mm. I know that for a fact. I'm sure you can get it in America, Region 1. But it was originally made for TV, and it does... So it's very episodic, much more so than I thought it would be when I first <laughs> put it in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a sort of beginning and end story. Yeah. And then the two stories. Exactly. Totally separate. So it is an anthology, and it does have a, a linking character. This is where the name comes from. The character of Aaron Quicksilver, mm. played by Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd, he's like a Hollywood movie star. He is, and he's in this. Whoa. And he looks a bit strange, doesn't he? A bit. So he's got very, very pale makeup on his face, but like, uh, like he's dead. He's wearing some bizarre sort of quasi-bondage S&M outfit. Yeah, he's got like leather trousers and big boots and yeah. kind of leather vest. Yeah. And the low cut V yeah. in his chest. And a he's got a leather collar. Yeah, he's got a leather collar with little symbols all around it. And a very odd wig on the top of his head. Yeah, he kind of looks like an old lady who works in a charity shop. <laughs> he does. He does. But he acts very strange as well. So he's doing his full on Christopher Lloyd acting. Not quite yeah. as bad as when he was in Piranha 3D, but he's, he's, <laughs> he's on his way. And he's acting the part of this sort of weird, gothy, loving death, loves weird stuff character. And in, in principle, it's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. You know, there's enough interesting details about him that you go, oh, okay, this is interesting. Um, he's obviously a good actor. Yep. So when he's on screen, it's watchable. But it just doesn't seem to work, this idea, for me. No, it doesn't. And, it doesn't and come I'll together somehow. why I think it doesn't later on. But it opens with a couple who are in a car. Their car's broken down, they've got a flat tyre. And they're newlyweds. You can tell because she's wearing a wedding dress. Yeah. And she's pregnant. Mm. Oh. 
and their car's broken down in the middle of nowhere on the side of a sort of in in the desert somewhere in, in America. <coughs> and he, the husband, wanders off to try and find the local city, the nearest town, get help. And she stays there for a long time and there's no sign of her husband coming back again and then all of a sudden this big car turns up pulling a huge trailer and this is Christopher Lloyd's character this is Aaron Quicksilver and he invites her into the back of his massive trailer which turns out to be a, a inside it's a beautiful sort of sumptuous mansion <laughs> it looks like in in this little trailer and that's what he's got going on with all with lots of like candelabra and and lovely chairs and tables it's a wonder that didn't fall over as he was driving around <laughs> be so funny <laughs> he just got open oh, the sorry, door and it's all just smashed put this back here there we go um and he invites her in sits down and tells her his story and and for those who haven't seen please google what he looks like <laughs> right yeah. because you will never get in his truck no, looking like this. You wouldn't. Like, no. you would run away from it. And it looks in, that bizarre. In her defence, she is a bit reticent to start with. She's a bit like, hmm, this guy does look a bit weird and I'm not sure, but... <laughs> but then she does. Uh, and She's he... overcome with emotion, so, so she agrees. He tells a story. So at this point, I'm thinking, I see. This is the framing device and he's going to sit here and tell her two different stories and that will be the framing device of how this film works. Mm. That doesn't happen. No. We'll get to that later on. Um, but he tells her this story that is based on Chattery Teeth by Stephen King. Uh, the story Chattery Teeth was in Nightmares and Dreamscapes, which came out in the early 1990s. And there's a few stories in that that have been turned into films and TV things. There was a, a TV series in 2006, I think, where they did adaptations of stories from this book and, and other books by him. Um, it's quite a good book. I quite like that one. Mm. And I like the story as well, actually. I do, yeah. It's a bit of a weird story, um, but it's quite classic King, <laughs> Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. And it's about a character who finds these huge novelty chattery teeth with feet that don't work. They're broken. And he decides to... He doesn't want to buy them, but he's given them for free by the people who work in the, the gas station. And then, uh, and we'll go into the details of what happens now. But this is your spoiler warning, so if you want to watch the film without knowing anything about it, then stop listening right now. Good. You you come back? Welcome back. Now, this one is a very faithful adaptation. Because I reread both these stories before we watched the film just now, and this one is almost word for word, the dialogue, and it's very, very faithful what happens in the actual story. Mm. So the story is he goes into this gas station... And well, first of all, he nearly runs over a hitchhiker. Now that isn't in the story, I don't think. That's something they've added in just for this yeah. film. But in the gas station, he sees the chattery teeth, and this hitchhiker walks in. He's supposed to be a teenager, but in the <laughs> film, he looks like the same age as the main yeah, guy. <laughs> definitely, they're both the in their thirties. Um, and he gives the the hitchhiker a little bit of money so he can buy something, some cigarettes. And he offers him a lift. Sort of, he's reticent again because he had a bad experience with a hitchhiker in the past. Um, but he does let him in. Again, this really creepy, blatantly nutty guy. He does let him into his car and to give him a lift. Yeah, and it's that kind of TV movie creepy where like he's sort of got a, like a dirty face but incredibly white teeth. Yeah, 
you know. And he's unshaven, he's therefore unshaven, he's so he's a, a baddie murderer. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's obviously a bit threatening, yeah. and this guy kind of is a bit embarrassed into taking him uh, yeah. for a ride. He is, but he, he's got the teeth as well with him in a little paper bag next to him. Oh, the other detail at this point to to point out is that everything is going very slowly. Every yeah. shot is very slow. <laughs> well, that seems to you know continue over the ninety minutes of the uh, of the, the yeah. Running I think time. they could have halved the running time. <laughs> yeah, they well they could have easily made this in, into a sixty minute half hour each, and it would have been it would have gone a much quicker. It would have flowed nicer. Mm. So it's a little bit a little bit slow, but it's nothing. There's nothing you know particularly yeah. wrong with it. But the lady who works in the shop is played by Veronica Cartwright, who mm. you might know as Lambert from Alien. Or yeah, from the Witches of Eastwick. I didn't recognise her at first. Well, that's because she's wearing a fat suit Whoa. in the first scene you see her in. Crikey! Yeah, um, and so she's in it. Has a bit of a banter with her husband, who's got cancer. Slowly, slowly, slow, slow banter, banter. <laughs> about getting the dog in from outside. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then they they go off in the car. The guy, the main guy, and the hitchhiker. And it turns out, oh, he was right, because yes, this hitchhiker looks like a villain, is in fact a villain. Ah. Gets out a tiny knife. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> sort of shorter than a butter knife. <laughs> yeah, but it's the way he's waving it. That's what makes it threatening, Phil. I mean, he could have taken it off him at any point, because yeah. he's waving it around right next to him. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, he gets it, and he says, I'm going to rob you now. I'm going to take your, yeah. your van and when he says he doesn't want him to, he threatens to kill him. Mm. And he does a kind of little slice in the air, which slices his hand. Yeah. this knife is incredibly sharp. It's very sharp. It's quite small, but very sharp. Very sharp. Um, and so the guy, the main guy, Bill, he threatens to crash the van if the guy doesn't pack it in. Yeah, he gets all crazy. It's like, I've got my seatbelt on. Where's yours? Oh. And he goes, you're not going to wreck us. You want to bet? And it's almost like he's not really going to, but he's just messing around. And then they almost get hit by a big truck, big tanker. So they sort of do a stunt. Yeah. In, the van in the, sort of misses the tanker. In the story, there's a big sort of crash now. <laughs> and it's quite a big crash. In the film, it swerves away the tanker. It goes to the end of the road and it just falls over. Falls on its, it falls on falls its, falls on its roof. Back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and inside the upside down van now. Uh, the main guy, Bill, he's he can't get out of his seatbelt. Uh-oh. Oh. See, he was all safe in his seatbelt, but now he can't get out, and the other guy's going to kill him with his tiny knife. So the other guy's going into some real, you know, crazy acting here. Being he's being full. Like, ah, but I'm going to kill you, yeah. J.P. Monroe acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so Bill he grabs the first thing he can find to hit the hitchhiker, He's calling himself Brian Adams, by the way, because he saw He's it on a CD. Brian Adams. <laughs> it is Brian Adams. It is Brian Adams. It's actually supposed to be the Brian singer Brian Adams. Adams. When he before stopped he making... was famous. <laughs> oh, before he was famous, right. Oh, sorry, he's a teenager. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot, yeah. <laughs> you forgot he was a teenager. <laughs> I forgot he was because a teenager. Because he looks double that. Yeah. So he hits him with this, whatever he's got here, but it seems to be a paper bag with something heavy in it. Ooh. What it's, is it? It's some metal chattery tea. Chattery tea. That it, he got. And they start to move in the bag. Oh. But I thought they were broken, Phil. I thought they were broken. So Brian Adams gets them out of the bag. Is this what you hit me with? 
And they said earlier on in the gas station, they um, they're not just um, plastic teeth; they're made of metal. They're actually metal teeth. They could do damage if they bit you. Whoa. He says at the beginning. Mm. And at this point, <laughs> Bill in his seatbelt starts saying, "Bite him! Go on, bite him!" Yeah. And Brennan's going, "Yeah, bite me, bite me." Which goes on for about twenty-five minutes. Yeah, it feels like this bit kind of makes sense in the story, but it doesn't quite work in this this bit of the film. It's very odd, and it comes out of nowhere. And especially because Bill's hanging upside down, flapping around, his hair's <laughs> flapping around, he's flapping around himself. Uh, and the chattery teeth do bite Brian Adam. Well, that's, they're supposed to bite him. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. They jump on his nose. In the story, they bite a chunk of his nose off. Yeah. In the this film, they jump on his nose. He sort of holds them there for a moment, going, ah, and then pulls them off, and there's no mark on they his nose whatsoever. Nothing. Not even a bit of blood, nothing. But then they jump at him, they bite him in all different places. So yeah, if you can imagine lots of sort of quick cuts of some plastic teeth like going, ah, on an ankle, ah, on a shoulder. Quick quick cuts. This bit is worse than I thought it was going to be. This was bad. Yeah. (laughs) This was bad, Um, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then they they get him, they kill him, drag him out of the van... They come back towards Bill. He thinks, oh, God, they're going to get me now. And he passes out. And when he wakes up, he's he's all right. He's lying down. And something has cut through his seatbelt and freed him. He looks out into the desert, and there's the hitchhiker, Brian Adams, being dragged away by his hair, by these teeth. Mm. And that bit I thought was actually quite creepy. The, the sight of him being dragged away in the distance was quite good. Yeah. It was the, it was the first time that I actually got horror from this <laughs> yeah. story yeah and then cuts to nine months later he's back in the the same gas station and this is why she was wearing a fat suit because now she's thin her husband died of cancer and she's done the place up it looks more like a diner now and she's lost a lot of weight and she's all feisty and she says she really, hey really like going to town on her husband like He's ruined her life or something. He seemed like a nice bloke. Well, they do say that. You know, you know. Bill says he seemed like a nice guy. And he's like, yeah. He, she he says he that. was fine before he got sick, she says. <laughs> before he and got then, cancer. Yeah, probably, What's the message? Cancer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cancer ruins lives, Phil. That's, what, that's the message. Does. That's the message. Right, yeah. And then she says, oh, I've got something for you. You're that guy that got, then you got killed, weren't you, nine months ago? Well, here. And she pulls out the chattery teeth. Hmm. Saying she found them on the porch, he must have dropped them. Oh, and he grabs them, and then no one would do this ever. He grabs them, looks at them, and says, "Bite me." And she's there, going, "Uh, you're right." <laughs> they don't bite him, which is nice. Uh, he takes them away into his car and drives off. And well, the dog, the dog, the dog tries to bite him, yeah, and the teeth and warn the teeth him. Sort of or like threaten towards the dog, yeah, yeah. like they're going to get the dog if it if it hurts him. So yeah, you get the impression that he's protected, protected by the teeth. If they wanted to protect him, why didn't they stay with him though? Nine months ago, why did they walk back to the gas station? Mm. Don't know. Don't know. And then it cuts back to Christopher Lloyd finishing the story, and the bride is like, "What was the point of that story?" Was there a moral? He says, why was so she's very much moral? in the audience's seat yeah. here. <laughs> what was the point of you saying that? 
And and yeah. he starts it by going, "This is a very this story is very relevant to this." Oh, he does the very beginning. And what yeah. you're and what you're you're experiencing tonight. This and is very it... relevant. And then she says, "What's that all about?" And he goes, "Well, does he need a point?" Yeah, nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then just that's what I was thinking. Right, so that's the first story. Now it's gonna be the second story. But just then, there's a crash outside. They go outside to find what's going on. And there's some other guy who's just crashed his car into nothing. It looks like. There was a guy there. Where's the guy? I didn't mean he just came out of nowhere. I hit him. And she immediately realised that it's her husband. He came back. He came back but got hit by this random car. And they, but they can't see him anywhere. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? He's being dragged into the bushes by some giant chattery teeth. The teeth. The, the teeth. And then she goes over to him and goes, oh, God. And Fade to black. That's it. Isn't Advert it? break. <laughs> the teeth just yeah. go then, and he and Christopher. Well, yeah, Walk, that's, that's, Christopher, that's um, it, really. For that. Christopher Walken. Then. Christopher, Walken. Christopher Walken Abby. appears. Yeah. Christopher Walken appears. Christopher Lloyd as the chattery teeth. Then goes, oh, get home safe for something yeah. to the teeth. Yeah, are they? Yeah, I actually, you know, I, I must have switched off at this point. I was like, that can't be, this can't be happening. But then just completely cuts to a carnival, and we're in a totally different story. So that's the end of the Chattery Teeth section. It's important to note at this point that Christopher Lloyd was basing his character on Hamlet, you said, Peter. Well, that's what I read on the trivia page of IMDb. Do you see that? <laughs> no, I have never seen the version of Hamlet where Hamlet's played like this. I haven't like seen, a, I don't see it either. an S&M zombie. <laughs> very over the top. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> no, it's funny. Um... If you can't see the black heart of America... You're either blind or a fool. There is no light without darkness, no life without death, no peace without war, no God without Satan. I know this land intimately from the inside out. I have visited its deepest, darkest areas up close and personal. I'm a boatman on this river, sticks in black asphalt. A fellow traveller on Route 666. So, yeah, so the framing device is is irrelevant, really, because it goes to another framing device now. We're in a carnival. We're following a guy, a pickpocket, who's picking pockets, because that's what he does. And there's some there there are some shots in this film that are quite nice or a bit yeah, ambitious, yeah. almost. I agree with that, yeah. There's um, some nice... There's, and this is one nice of them shots. where... In in idea, it's a good idea that the camera will follow. It's a long this shot guy. from behind. He's yeah. walking along, picking people's pockets. Then no one notices. And you see it all in one take, and he picks all the different pockets. Yeah. And it, it doesn't come across quite well enough in the film, I don't think. No, you, some, a couple of them, you, you they would have felt it. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a bit heavy-handed with a couple of. Them. But it's a nice idea, though, and it's a nice it's a nice shot. Like you yeah, said. it's not it works. It's not, it's not bad. It was fun. It was yeah, fun. and it's it's yeah, so it's a good good bit of interest to start you off with. And then this yeah. this pickpocket um, turns yeah. up at a kind of um, carnival tent, and this guy's played by Matt Frewer. Is that how you pronounce it? Matt I think Frewer. so. Uh, who's been in quite a few things. He's he was he was in Watchmen. He played Moloch, the baddie in Watchmen. He was in Honey I Shrunk the Kids as the dad of the next door neighbours. He's great in that, and quite a few other things. But he's he's good. He's very good in it. He's very believable. I he's a good actor. He's a very good actor. I've seen him in Star Trek. And many other have things. You now? I have. There you go. And he's a good one. Um, so he wanders into this weird tent. 
Quicksilver's. Yeah. And it's Aaron Quicksilver again. Exhibition of curiosities. Yeah, now he's in... Yeah. So he's got lots of different jars with things in them. And uh, he's... But this guy is drawn to a hand that looks like a candle. It's a hand candle. A handle, if you will. A handle. With the hand of glory. The hand of glory, he says. Which is a real thing. Which is a real thing. It is. You've got one over there. I can see it. Oh, it is. (laughs) I don't light it, though. No, you don't. Not when guests are here. (laughs) So the pickpocket guy, Charlie, asks about this hand of glory, and he's he's told that it belonged to a criminal, a pickpocket. He doesn't say that, but that's the impression he's given. He's sort of... Sort of winking and Christopher Lloyd is giving it all that. Woo. Yeah, oh, who was the, it? Was the criminal? Oh, criminal. Oh. Uh, and he says something like, "Normally they're dipped in wax taken from someone else, but this one was already waxed for me." <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, something Just like. Just talking that. about like where he got it, it from. Very strange. Nice. Yeah, and then he says, "Oh, while you're here, would you like to hear a story about hands?" <laughs> <laughs> and. He's sort of like, no, obviously I wouldn't. But then... Then he sees a police officer... Sees the cops. ...looking for him. And, and he, he goes, thinks... Oh, actually, I've got time for a story. Better stay in here. So weird zombie man tells him a story. And so this is now we're into the body politic, which is a Clive Barker story. Hooray! Yay! So this is from the Books of Blood, which we are going to cover in a separate podcast. We will not go too much into the details of the story itself now only going to what's covered in the film because it's a bit different in the film and in the book uh but the story revolves around basically people's hands going rogue and there's a revolution hands want to free themselves from people's bodies and go off on their own that's the kind of premise yeah and i think like the first story it they're both good examples of stuff that works really well in a book and less mm. so in a film. Yes. Like the idea, that idea is quite, mm. is a great idea. Well, if anyone, if anyone's read the Books of Blood, if you've read The Body Politic, it is, it's obviously a very bizarre story, but it is actually quite creepy. Yeah, and you can, you, you imagining it, yeah. it really works in the story. But in if, you the now, film, if you now imagine it made for TV in 1997, with someone, like, their hand going like, Hello. I want well, to get out of here. That's what we just watched. <laughs> that's that's what the film is. Um, the the big difference is the main character, also played by Matt Frewer, he's a doctor. He's a plastic surgeon. Yes. So it begins with some sort of weird digs towards people who are addicted to plastic surgery and desperate to get <clears> things <throat> fixed. Yep. And then there's a scene where he's operating on someone and his hands are not doing as they're told. And the music goes like... <laughs> and there's a couple of cameos yeah here, which weirdly is even more weird um there's so john landis the filmmaker the writer and director who made one of my all-time favorite films of all time ever an american werewolf in london indeed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's there as a doctor with a mask on and then clive barker's there clive barker. as an anesthetist and he does like a sort of cheeky Look to the camera, sort he of does. thing. He does. So, um, Doctor Doc, Matt Frewer's character, Doctor Charles George, his scalpel flies out of his hand and hits the wall. Clive Barker looks at the camera and says, "What did I ever do to you?" And then, like Phil said, gives a little cheeky look to camera before putting his mask back on and say, "Hello, hello, I'm, I'm Clive Barker. It's me." 
<laughs> and then that's the end of that little cameo. It's really weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's if, really weird. And, and not many people will know what Clive Barker looks like, I don't think. Not many people who are just no, tuning I... into the TV to watch a, a horror film. So I guess so. And then it'd be even weirder. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> so they'd be watching it going, what the hell was that all about? Yeah. It's nice to see him, though. It's great to see him. I always like <laughs> seeing him, but it's just, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so a bit <laughs> odd. Then we go back to the guy's house. And, and I take oh, sorry. that, sorry, I take that him being in it as his complete agreement and love of the entire project <laughs> his endorsement yeah for the movie for the whole movie yeah um i don't agree with that no. obviously he must have read the script uh so and then he agreed to be there to film it but when he saw the finished product i'm not sure he really thought now that is my vision on the screen <laughs> i'd be surprised if he thought that because um, he did write a genuinely creepy story yeah, uh, that kind of, and then I couldn't tell. Although you pointed out the music is quite silly, I couldn't tell yeah, whether we, the film is going for to be comedy. A bit further on, we genuinely couldn't tell whether it was trying to be funny or not because it wasn't funny enough to actually be funny, but it was also it too silly scary. to be serious. Yeah, and it wasn't scary. But then there are a couple of comedy sound effects and comedy, yeah, funny music. People falling over, going so that that isn't what you do in a in a scary movie. That's 101. You don't, you, that's the first thing you don't do in a scary movie. So Dr. George goes back to his house and he's got uh, a lovely wife who's wearing not very much. Mm-hmm. And she runs him a nice bath. Mm-hmm. He's having a nice bath and he pulls her into it and it's all frolics and it's all hilarious with her silky night dress on. Now, my wife would kill me if I pulled her into the I bath. Think, wearing yeah, there'd be a big argument Very about expensive. This. Yeah. But, but then his hands, <gasps> they have a conversation. Now, in the story, this does happen in the story, the hands communicate with each other, his right hand and his left hand, and it's almost as if they're doing it through sign language, and the way they move, they're talking to each other, communicating via the medium of hand movements and gestures and signals. Yeah. I assumed if they were to do that in a film, you'd have some hand, some funny hand gestures and maybe subtitles with what they were saying, because it is basically sign language. Mm. But they didn't go for that in this, this didn't version. didn't go for that. They went for full-on voiceovers. The yeah. actual hands hand. talk to each other in slightly pitched-up voices. And also, they didn't soften the blow <laughs> by kind of... You know, having him lying there in bed asleep, and then his hand twitches, and the other one twitches, and then one of them goes... No, it goes "Ah." straight into the scene. It literally just cuts to him, and one of his hands goes, We've got to get out of here! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it sounds a bit like this. What if we're wrong, and there's no life after the body? Then we will never know. So, how will we do it? When the time comes... We'll find a way, as long as it's a clean cut... Suppose he resists. A man resists with his hands. His hands will be in revolution against him. So which of us will it be? He uses me most effectively, so I must wield the weapon. You go, and later you can come back for me. I will. You must. I am the Messiah. Without me, there will be nowhere to go. 
You must raise an army, then come and fetch me. To the ends of the earth, if necessary. Don't be sentimental. Tomorrow night, then. I'll meet you on his stomach. So at this point, we kind of looked at each other and went, is that, are they really going for this? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's what they went for. Mm-hmm. And that's, okay, that's a choice. It's a bold choice. It's a bold choice. Um, so he goes to see a shrink. This is in the, the story as well. And uh, the shrink sort of says, well, your, your dad worked with his hands, you work with your hands, so, you know, I understand that you're worried about your hands and it's all in your mind because I'm a shrink and that's what shrinks say to people. But it turns out it's not because when he goes home again, his hands take over his body and throttle his wife. Well, they're having another chat again saying, we need to get out of here. She comes in and is like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Wake up. Your hands are being weird. And then he strangles her. Yeah. And then he wakes up halfway through the strangling. Which would be horrific. Yeah. And there's a moment where you're like, oh my God, that is awful. Mm-hmm. And then she falls off the bed and it goes... <laughs> and there's a kind of like I don't know, understand what you want me to feel at this point like is it no, funny or not it's not funny enough to be funny no he jumps off off the bed to check she's okay and doesn't really check her at all but he seems to know he doesn't she's do anything dead. he just puts his hand on her and goes oh god she's dead but then he realises he can't really use his hands very well no and, but he wants to phone he phones his shrink but he has to use his head and his nose to dial the number and this is the bit where we were properly Wondering whether it's supposed to be funny or not. Because even you just saying that then, I thought, oh, I, bet you, I bet that could be really funny. <laughs> but it's not in it's the film. It's not funny enough it's, it's like to be a comedy. sort of serious. Yeah, it is odd, isn't it? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then the hands take him to the kitchen. They get a meat cleaver. Yeah. Uh-oh. And Mr. Right Hand cuts off Mr. Left Hand. Hmm. Mr. Left Hand runs off. So this is a few years after the first Adams Family film came out. So I, I was assuming they would do a, a Thing-style special effect, which looked pretty good at Adams Family. I haven't seen it for a long time, but at the time... I remember it in the being 90s, quite it impressive. Was, yeah, it was impressive. Everyone thought, oh, look, they've done a man moving along. I don't know if it's whether they had less of a budget in this because it's a TV film, but the effects have gone back a little bit from Adams Family. Hmm. It looks... The hands that move around on their own look a bit odd don't they it looks strange like it's at certain points it kind of looks okay ish yeah it looks like they're cgi creations and they're not cgi creations and that they it's a really weird one to figure out or they've used real hands they've kind of used cgi to help them move it's a weird one yeah they look weird let's put it that way they do look weird and they don't always look like they're fully in the same scene as everything else um but they're not like Awful, no, they're awful. not awful. They're they're not too bad, and they obviously they're moving like real hands. So that's that's okay. Hmm, it's quite strange. Yeah, it's worth watching just to have a look at them. But he wakes up in a hospital, and this is this this really annoyed me. His other hand, his left hand, that's not there anymore, is just wrapped up in a stump and a bandage. But if you everyone look at your hand right now, listening to this, where your hand ends with the stump from your elbow to your wrist is one straight line if that's been cut off at the wrist the end of it wouldn't bend and so many times when it has the, have their hands cut off and they've got a little bandage on there's a little bend at the end and that wouldn't happen that wouldn't happen and this is an example of this he's got a little, the end of his 
wrist. It's supposed to be his stumpy wrist. Sort of, there's a little bend at the end, which is clearly because there's a wrist and another hand there. Anyway, that is right. That annoyed me. That's Peter's pet hate. It is. Peter's pet hate. Number 24. So, uh, but that's, that's what's happened here. And his right hand is still attached to him, but he's still plotting. Oh, and his right hand is the Messiah, we forgot to say that. Oh yeah, that's quite important. His right <laughs> hand is the Messiah of all the hands. So all the other hands, so he's told the left hand to go off yeah. and, and, and get all the other hands together. And start the revolution. Form a revolution. And, and it and does. come back. And it does that. So it goes off into yeah. the different rooms and wards and manages to convince other hands to cut each other off. So there's just this crazy scene where there's all these nurses and people running around <laughs> and all their hands have cutting themselves off and yeah. running up and down the corridors in this kind of weird CGI hand stuff. Oh, we didn't say was... So in the first one, Chattery Teeth, there are the bit where the teeth are biting the hitchhiker is terrible. Because the and one of the reasons is there's no blood no or blood. gore, there's no blood at all. But in this one, when he actually cuts his hand off to start with in the kitchen, mm. it's really good effects. It is good. He cuts it off and then he, he all in one shot lifts up the cleaver and the hand moves along and there's blood squirting out and that's really nice. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, well so, done. Well done for that one. <laughs> that was good. But cutting back to the hospital now, all the hands are running along, and he. Has a little. He has a chat with his right hand, the Messiah. A long, a long chat. And they decide to go to the roof. Yeah. So he he comes across this great idea at this point where he says, "Ah, you want to get free and you want to kill me, but if I die with you still attached to me, then that's it. You're dead." So he thinks, right? So I need you to need kill my myself. Help. Yeah. Yeah. So I need I'm going to kill myself kill while you're myself. still attached to me. Um, but the hand doesn't want this to happen. The hand sort of raises. Because that his... also, because the other hands can just live. If they get cut off from you, they just live, don't they? They don't rot. They just yeah, seem well, I be... assume so. We only ever see them on day one of the revolution. They so. seem to be. <laughs> but yeah, if they're not hand... bleeding everywhere or anything. They're, they're perfectly fine. No, these fine. disembodied hands can walk around on their own. They're fine. Yeah, they're okay. But if you die, then. That's it. Well, so we think. <laughs> well. <laughs> So he leads them all up to the roof. All the hands come up to the roof with him. Oh, no, first of all, there's quite a night. I like this bit where he looks out the window and there's a tree full of hands. So they've all climbed up in this tree and they're in the tree looking at him. Yeah, it's like the birds. And I quite like that. <laughs> I thought that was nice. So, yeah, so there's all hands in the tree. But then he climbs up a fire escape and they join him and that looks really weird. Yeah, the hands climbing the ladder. And he tricks them. Now he's on the roof and he says, I am the Messiah. And the hand's going, don't listen to him. <laughs> because he's tricking them and he's like, yes, follow, me. follow me. And you'll be free. And you'll be free. And um, and he, down, he jumps off the building. Yeah. And on the ground, the, the doctor, the shrink, he's like, going, no, don't do it. But he does. He jumps off. And something very strange happens here because as he jumps off, he seems to turn into a totally different person. <laughs> And in this is, they've got a stuntman obviously to do this big jump and a big twisty like a, a di- like a, a high dive yeah <laughs> like he's spinning around in the air <laughs> but he's got a completely different coloured hair like I mean the main actor is brown hair and he's got like black jet yeah. black hair it just wow. doesn't look the same at all and it, and again it goes on for a long time yeah the long old fall yeah getting money's worth out of that he falls down onto the ground all the hands then they go. We're free! Let's go! And they all jump off as well. Free! Splat! And they all splat down on the ground. And it implies they've all sort of died. 
<laughs> yeah. They hit the floor and they die. I just yawned because I'm so... <laughs> I'm so like, what is this that we've watched? <laughs> um... <laughs> so... And then the emergency services turn up and uh, that's the end, really. That's the end. I was thinking, like, well, how are you going to explain this one away? Because he's body is lying on the floor surrounded by severed hands. Yeah, I thought that as well. I thought all, all you could say was maybe this guy went mad, went around cutting everyone's hands off and then jumped off. But the then roof. everybody in the hospital would go, my oh, hand no, no, they all cut did itself it. off. Yeah, so no, there's no explaining there'd it. There'd be a whole Clearly. hospital full of people who've just gone insane. Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Well, and then it cuts back to Christopher Lloyd again. Yeah. With the guy, the pickpocket played by the same actor who played the Doctor in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, and what's the moral? Uh, yeah, there isn't one. There's no moral. Well, why don't you work it out, Sonny? I was just telling a story. And he's like, this is a stupid story. I'm leaving. And he leaves, but his hands have other ideas. And they immediately... So and this is, this is a this, very weird ending. This is weird as hell. His hands seem to lead him to a policeman... Who, and they grab him and the policeman turns around and goes, hi, George. And he just puts his hand in the policeman's pocket and he goes, oh, hi. And then another policeman just comes in from just off camera and immediately yeah. handcuffs him. Yeah, well, I think they've been looking for him and he's... And then it just the camera pans up to the fun fair, the lights go out, the music all goes... That's Credits. It. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Hmm. So, Phil, what did you think of the film? Well, I didn't I didn't know what to make of it, really. No. It's a bit of a weird one. I wouldn't necessarily suggest that people watch it, but then I wouldn't go, never watch this. No, it wasn't terrible. Because it was, it was all right, like, for a kind of sitting in with a few beers type film. It was just a bit long, and as in, I mean, it's only 90 minutes, but it felt long. It felt a bit drawn out. Yeah, it felt a little bit, bit, bit lack of pace. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't scary in any way, but there were some amusing moments in it. No, I mean, there were a couple of slightly creepy bits for me. I thought the guy being dragged into the desert by the chatty teeth was a bit creepy, and I thought the hands in the tree were a bit creepy. Hmm. Um, but no, it wasn't scary. It's kind of worth it to see Christopher Lloyd dressed up it is worth in it this for that. costume. Yeah. It's worth it to see him. Because he just <laughs> looks so bizarre. And I want to know what the story is behind that. Like, who yeah. decided he should have this wig and and what? Because it, it looks crazy. Lovely. And it, it looks like a costume. <laughs> That's the important thing. Like, this oh, it big does. coat yeah, yeah, he's yeah, got. Yeah. It doesn't look like something that this guy wears. It looks like his costume. Mm. It's really weird. It, yeah, no, absolutely. And his face is completely... Pale like a dead person. I mean, he looks exactly like Uncle Fester. He does look like Uncle Fester. He's lost a few pounds. So, yeah, he looks like he's his character from the Adams Family, the second Adams Family connection. Mm. Well, Mm. maybe there is a tie in there. Maybe they did that on purpose because of the severed hands in the story. (laughs) I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows what these guys were thinking of? But it's nice, it's always nice to see Clive Barker's work on screen. Uh, Some of it is done better than others. As we said before, we well, we've actually covered the ones we really like, kind of in order. <laughs> so we like Candyman and we like Midnight Meat Train. Mm. There are a couple of we other... love Rawhead Rex. 
<laughs> yeah, and Underworld is clearly the best <laughs> film we've ever seen. Yes. There's a couple more films based on books from the Books of Blood. Uh, there's one called The Book of Blood, and there's one called Dread, which we will get round to at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't as keen on those ones, but we'll get to them. We'll do them at some point. And we are going to actually go through The Books of Blood as a book as well and go through the, all the stories on different <coughs> podcasts because they are brilliant. If you, again, if you haven't read those, you should because they're... They're amazing. They're some of the best horror short stories that there are in existence. Yeah, they are genius. And if you haven't read Stephen King's short stories, they're also very good. His early stuff's excellent. Stuff from the 70s and 80s is wonderful. And speaking of him, the filmmaker who made this film, Quicksilver Highway, Mick Garris, has done a lot of Stephen King adaptations, mainly for TV. He also directed Critters 2, the main course. Nice. Which I loved when I was a kid. And also Psycho 4. Wow. Have you seen that? (laughs) I think I have, actually. It's not bad, actually. Yeah. Um, But he also did the TV movie version of The Stand with Gary Sinise, which I quite like. I quite like that. I think it's good. Um, He did the TV version of The Shining, which is the one that Stephen King wrote the screenplay for and the one he likes, apparently, which I haven't seen. Mm, I haven't seen that. I have a DVD at home, but I haven't actually watched it yet. Because it's very long. And there's other things, Riding the Bullet to Stephen King, Desperation, Bag of Bones, all based on Stephen King stories. So he obviously he's a fan. Yeah, and, you know, good luck to him. Yeah, so you've got... I, you've I got... think they're hard to put yeah. Stephen King stories on film. Well, you've got him doing all these, then you've got Frank Darabont making <laughs> Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile and The Mist. So <laughs> yeah. he's, he's got a different idea of yeah. how to do it, clearly. They're tough. They are tough, yeah. As we know from the the recent It film, they've gone. It was a good film, but it's it's very different to the book. Whereas the first It miniseries on the TV was quite faithful. Yeah, I think I I do think that you know when you read one of Stephen King's books and Clive Barker's books, they, they really transport you, and yeah. getting that feeling on the screen is really hard, mm-hmm. really difficult. Yes. And this film is a perfect example, actually, of both of them, of how you can't transfer that. No. One more thing I want to point out is we noticed in the credits, one of the executive producers of Quicksilver Highway is John McTiernan, as in Die Hard and Predator <laughs> and Hunt for Red October. And that's just weird. It is weird. I don't know what he was doing there. I've got no information on what his role was, but <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> but isn't yeah. that interesting? Such a, such a strange little film, like... Yeah. Where did it come from? I don't know. But this man came up to me <laughs> said, wearing a, got a story thick leather collar. <laughs> gave me this film. DVD. <laughs> I have not got much more to say on Quicksilver Highway about you, Phil. No, I think if you're a, a Clive Barker superfan, um, it's worth watching mm-hmm. uh, just to see another piece of his work adapted. If you're a Christopher Lloyd super fan, get it. If you're a Christopher Walken fan, don't, <laughs> don't bother. He's not in it. Uh, Marvellous. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed watching the film. <laughs> For you. <laughs> and as I said, we're going to do more Clive Barker stuff as well as things about Hellraiser as well in the future. Yes. So, on that note, we will see you next time for the Hellraiser podcast. Thank you for listening. 
Check us out on Twitter at HellraiserCast. We're on Facebook as well. And please, uh, anything you want to hear, anything you want us to do, you know, just uh, put it on Twitter. Let us know because it helps us to absolutely do something you actually want to hear. Let's get engaged. (laughs) Well, not us, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Peter. And on that bombshell, (laughs) we're going to sign off. Take care, everyone. See you soon. Goodbye for now. Bye. Bye.